0: Cronky, we're meant to win And it ain't happening Piss off back to Denver And take Gazzini's with you Cronky, this is football Not just a shopping mall Trophies are why we're here Not the Financial year. Cronky, sell up and go. You've made plenty of dough. You just don't get this game. Arsenal are turning lame.
1: Welcome to the 112th edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host, David Udo, we are recording on the Monday evening, two days after the three-each draw at home to Fulham, with the derby against Spurs looming on the horizon of the coming weekend. So without further ado, let me introduce this evening's panel. First up, he received the offer of a late ticket to see the Fulham match and may have regretted taking it. We'll find out soon. We'll also be asking if he was rubbed shoulders with Andre Arshavin in the McDonald's branch of Hampstead, apparently a favoured culinary haunt of our number 23. Rather like with the seat he sat in for Fulham, he stepped in last minute to make sure there is not an empty chair on our panel this evening, so we are even more grateful than normal to welcome the man now known, for reasons best known to himself, as Emmanuel Mustafa Goldstein, editor of the Hampstead Village Voice and enemy of Big Brother. Hello. Next up, a man who, like many of us, had a brief vision of optimism in early September, off the back of wins against Liverpool and Southampton and three clean sheets in the first four league outings. However, with the onset of autumn and the nights drawing in, everything's back to normal and he's already looking forward to putting the current season behind us. It's the man who has to habitually find fresh ways to write about the inconsistency of the team we follow. Good evening to the editor of the Guna, Mr Kevin Witcher.
0: Good evening, everybody.
1: Finally, a debut guest on our panel, And with a planned march of disgruntled supporters before the Swansea match on the 1st of December, amongst other things, he will enlighten us about the organisation he represents, the instigators of the march, and their aims. So, from the Black Scarf movement, also known as the Where Has Our Arsenal Gone, it's a warm welcome to Kelvin. Hello there.
2: Where's our
1: Arsenal gone? Where's our Arsenal gone? (laughs) Right. Right as we've got Kelvin here with us let's delay the chat about on pitch matters until later and begin by discussing the principal reasons for the pre-match march on 1st of December. So the objectives of this walk are to heighten the board's awareness in the following areas I believe I'm correct uh, Kelvin. So number one we want Stan Kroenke's commitment not to take money from the club.
3: Correct. Please. (laughs) Well it was was a very good question that was asked at the AGM and uh, as normal, the, the, the board bluffed their way around it with loads of spin and gave us an answer which was neither here nor there. Um, we understand that, you know, and we appreciate the fact that the directors and shareholders have never taken dividends, um, something to be admired, um, and we'd like that to continue. But we want a commitment from him. We want to know the reason why he's really bought into the club and what his vision is. And one of the questions that I was dying to ask at the AGM but never got the opportunity was to. Direct it at uh, Silence Stan and say, this is your platform to share with us your vision for the future of Arsenal Football Club. And if you can't convince us, then in the words of our chairman, we don't need your sort here.
1: You're <laughs> speaking about a man who managed to get the AGM rescheduled just so it clashed with his St. Louis Rams playing at Wembley this year. So he could be in London for two reasons.
0: That's a bit harsh, David. I, um, I do apologise. It is normally on the third Thursday in October. And to play devil's advocates, even though I completely uh, support uh, Kelvin and the BSM on many of their aims, I will say this, and I think it's that for legal reasons, Cronky um, would never put himself in a position to say that he would not take dividends from the club, even if he had no intention of doing so. I think uh, his advisers would definitely. I advise him not to make that kind of commitment. Um, the, the interesting aspect of it is that Kroenke has borrowed heavily to actually buy the shares he has and he's paying off the, the purchases of the, the two major blocks which are those from Danny Fisman's estate and Lady Nina over a period of years. Um, now whether or not that money is going to come from other sources or from Arsenal, uh, remains to be seen. But uh, in fairness to the man, he has a track record that he has not taken money out of uh, his sporting concerns. However, you also get the feeling that perhaps Arsenal is a bit different because it's not an American sporting concern. He doesn't actually get the sport. And uh, you do have to wonder about his motivation, why he actually... he he bought into it, I can only imagine it was for financial reasons, whether or not that's because he likes a nice big fat portfolio of different sporting clubs or because he can see a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow which he will extract, Uh, time will tell and and frankly a, a lot of people wouldn't begrudge him taking the money if he would sell out and he will make a fat profit if he sells out. But if he does sell out to someone who has different ambitions and stated ambitions for the club, which are more in tune with the supporters, um, I think he'd be able to make a painless exit uh, with less ill feeling than than may occur further down the line.
2: You're suggesting to him very subtly, there, aren't you? <laughs> but he'd rather jump than be pushed and do it in a nice way
0: well I mean it's his choice I mean at the end of the day the guy effectively does own the club and he will do what he wants to do but um, I think people would just like to know what his motivations are so that they can make up their own mind about whether it's worth investing emotional energy in the future of this club because at the moment I think people uh, just see a rudderless ship they don't see Cronky actually having a vision I think he's just sitting there watching the the accounts look fairly healthy, but leaving um, a board of directors, uh, uh, of which none of whom are football men, to run the club. And it just created a vacuum, um, which which at the moment Arsene Wenger is filling, and most people feel not very well.
1: Kelvin, anything further to add, or have that
3: pretty much been summed up in one fell <laughs> swoop. I think it's Kevin's done an excellent job summing up the feelings there of the majority of people.
1: Uh, which, in fairness, moves us quite simply to point two, which uh, perhaps points out another weakness that the, the club's board have, which is we want. Oh, sorry,
3: uh, we want Peter Hillwood off the board. He's become an embarrassment to the club and its supporters. Absolutely. I mean, his, his comments at the at, at last year's AGM, where it's a bit like that two Ronnie's mastermind sketch, where he read off the question from the previous answer, or read off the answer from the previous question, and, and this time around, um, you know, thanking everybody for paying an interest in our affairs you know, um, I think the guy he may well have done a, a great job in the past but it's time for him to move on I don't know what his, his father Dennis or his grandfather Sam would have thought about uh, the way he's treated fans with, with his disdain um, but I don't think they would be too impressed
1: it, It's a sad thing really I mean there's, uh, there's no Hillwood Children uh, having any association with the club so it's not as though he can pass down to his, his next in line as his, as his father and grandfather did but um, uh, Kev, how do you feel about Peter Wood? I mean, uh, having read, uh, purely in the press, uh, his reactions to the, the shareholders' um, actions towards the board generally, um, he seems to hold us in nothing but disdain and just wanted everything to end and everyone out the room.
0: It was a pleasant surprise that the AGM actually lasted more than the normal allotted hour. They actually had an hour and 15 minutes which allowed some extra questions from the floor, which we learned before the meeting was actually a legal requirement. Um, that they can't have all the questions pre-submitted. What was interesting to me about this year's AGM was that effectively, uh, whereas in the past Hillwood would be given the answers to read out off a sheet of paper, his faculties are such that he can't even cope with that anymore. So de facto Ivan Gazidis ended up chairing the meeting for the most part. which makes it a bit of a nonsense of would being the chairman. Um, I mean, I've, I've always thought he's been kept where he is partly as a stooge because before the last two years the AGMs were comedic affairs partly because the team were perceived to have been doing a bit better. You know, hope hadn't been lost and this bumbling old fool used to entertain us but the jokes worn thin and um, now you know, it's, it is a shambles for an organisation of the supposed prestige of the club to have a figurehead like Hillwood, who in fairness due to age is losing the power of A, good eyesight and B, good hearing he's not fit to chair that kind of meeting and effectively he wasn't really chairing it for the most part this year so, I mean you know, in fairness to the man himself he should be allowed to step down um, why he he hasn't sort of insisted on, on on being able to do that, I don't know, but uh, it can't go on. I mean, he's 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 getting on. You know, the guy is is he's, he's losing it very slowly. Even if he's not losing it mentally, he's certainly losing it in terms of his physical abilities mm. to chair a meeting of 500 people. And uh, you know, I mean, I suspect next year, even if he he is chairman. He might just introduce the meeting, but I can't see him really controlling it.
1: Any thoughts on, uh,
2: on Peter Hillwood at your Basti, or, or has it all been said so far? It's all been said, and I, I think clearly there's a point where maybe it's a, a more of a point. I mean, who would they put in his place? And how, how do you, you know, I'm not really very up on all this board level stuff, to be honest with you. But it does seem to me, I mean, the Hillwoods have been a, in our, our sort of all my life and um i just think that uh if he's too old um uh you you look you've got to have a, a, a strong captain of of a ship and a boardroom level like any other you've got to have a board, a, a chairman who is um uh, aware of what's going on and uh, and is able to um make decisions and, and, and be able to you know be compresentous basically and maybe it's time for him to you know go and sit sit um on a beach in portugal with a a cup of tea and a slice of raisin toast
0: (coughs) but in fairness i mean it it symbolizes the vacuum that hillwood is in the job because ultimately what are the board doing you know the key decisions at the club are now being made by the executive team none of whom are on the board with the exception of Ivan Gazidis Ken Fryer may do a bit he certainly paid a salary to do so um, but decision wise the only thing the board do is very occasionally knock back something that's come from the commercial team. So for example, the commercial team wanted to raise uh, ticket prices again um, last summer mm-hmm. and the board said no. So you know they will occasionally do things which demonstrate they in theory wield the power but in terms of direction and dynamism um, it's not on the board. and. I mean it's been said to me by someone who uh, knows a lot about football um, and mixes in very influential circles that what Arsenal need to do is look where they want to be in let's say 5, 10, 15 years and get some people in who can actually have a brainstorming discussion about where where the club is going to go and how it's going to get there. Uh, People with a bit of vision. The board had the vision, mainly through Danny Fisman, to move Stadium, which I think if we were spending our money properly, people would have accepted. The fact is, we're not spending the money properly, so people are wondering what the hell was the point in leaving Highbury. Um, But past the Stadium move, there's been no vision. It's all been left to the manager, and it's all gone tits up. Basically. Am I right
2: in saying that Danny Fisman had a a, a run-in with David Dean? And yes. that he, Red and White Holdings and Usmanov, who actually I read in the front page of the Times today, the word Arsenal appeared on the front page of the Times today, because Usmanov's uh, PR firm um, doctored his Wikipedia site uh, in order to, they took the words racketeer and... Uh, what was the other one? Gangster, uh, <coughs> and a few other things out of it, and put in how he has a nice private art collection or something. Like that, that would not be spotted. And that <laughs> made, yeah, that made the front page of the Times today. Um, so, yes, uh, Osmanoff, if I'm not wrong, has what 23 percent. He's
0: basically very close to 30. So he's 29, close to 30, something Oh, really? So. so I mean, yeah, is
2: there a call for him? I mean, the thing is, we're caught between Stan Kroenke and uh, a racketeer and a gangster, unquote, uh, according to the no, Times today. No one who is very rich is a saint.
0: <laughs> no, well... I I'm, I'm, I'm and mean, in fairness, that. Danny Fisman made his money out of South African diamonds.
2: And George Graham was known to pick up a brown envelope. He
0: made allegedly. his money out of Paul yeah. George, but, but, George but Graham he, is not excessively rich. But he's, a, he's, a lo-
2: he's a lovely man, and he was, a, he was a great manager for the club.
0: All I'm saying is that basically... Um, you, you you can't bring morality into uh, this. Is what happened when Ushmanov first arrived on the scene because he was heavy with certainly the likes of Ars Blogger and other websites about reproducing a very critical um, article about his history, which was written by a journalist whose name escapes me, Duncan someone I can't remember. But the um, long and short of it is he was perceived as a villain. Hence, Red Action came up with a, a banner. Saying basically, piss off Jabba the Hutt or whatever, some <laughs> variation on yeah, that. Yeah, but
2: wouldn't we rather have him with David Dean? That is things. now what people. I I'd rather to. have a, a you know a Terry Venables stroke gangstery type geek. Right, you know, someone who, as look, as far as I'm concerned, as long as David Dean was involved in all the the schmoozing and the, the you know, if he was vice chairman again, it would be a Do different. Do you want to know game. the
0: huge irony about David Dean? Sure. If if it wasn't for David Dean, Stan Kroenke would not be where he is now. Mm -hmm. It was David Dean who engineered Stan Kroenke to buy the first 10% of his shareholding. And the basic idea was two things. Number one, he would be Arsenal's answer to Roman Abramovich and spend money on the team. Number two, as part of the board coup d'etat that would occur, Dean would be returned to a position of power within the board, which is obviously where the thing with Danny Fisman and the fallout is involved. Um, so Dean's done some wonderful things for Arsenal. He, he, I think Dean was the well, man res- an Arsenal man, responsible yeah. for bringing George Graham to the club mm. uh, as a manager, and obviously Wenger. Um, but Thierry Henry. He, he's also bought Stan Kroenke in.
2: Mm. Well, that backfired, didn't it? Mm. So, but uh, is there still a chance of this coup d'état? It depends well. on
0: Stan Kroenke. Um,
1: that brings us nicely on to point number three of uh, the black scarf movement. Um, please, Kelvin, after you.
3: Yeah, we we think that um, you know someone with almost thirty percent of shares in in any business should be invited onto the board or at least have some you know some in depth negotiations about their ideas of where they want to see the club go. That doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be happening, and you know the more people you talk to about it, the more people are finally saying, "Well, it is. It's, it's disrespectful," you know. These, these guys, I don't know whether they'll be good or bad for the club. I'm just putting the, the point that they've got nearly 30%. They've obviously got a, a feeling for the club. Let them get on there and let them have a say because they might be able to use some of their business acumen to improve the crap that we've got up there at the moment. Yeah.
2: Well,
1: sure. if,
3: he, if, he is a, if he was another
2: Abramovich, is that a bad thing? Because the, the reality is, if you look at City and Chelsea, you know, if you've got someone who's an Arsenal fan and you've got David Dean by his side and you've got him like running the show things are going to happen aren't they? It's it's, no, it's just not rocket science you know whereas if you've got some god bless him you know American geezer with the dodgy syrup sitting on his head kind of not really giving a shit <laughs> um, it's you know it, and it, it does show on the pitch I've got to say the Fulham match uh, it just looked like there was one team who wanted it and one that kind of sort of did you know mm. and we were the ones that kind of sort of did but didn't really you know Fulham wanted that more than us, and I'm seeing it over and over again. We don't look like we want it enough, you know? No, absolutely. On the pitch, I mean, sorry to actually talk about football.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll get on to that. Oh, let's, please. (laughs)
1: Uh, Kev, what, what's your, your, your thought of this? I mean, uh, other to what, we, what we, we said earlier on with regards to this, uh, I mean, obviously the club are hiding behind this huge placard of the FFP, something which UEFA are actively never going to bring into action. Otherwise, essentially, it's going to ban giant clubs like Real Madrid and Milan from playing in the UEFA tournament. So, are Arsenal just holding behind that to, to basically say that's the reason we can't get this, this nasty, very rich, and very generous man involved?
0: Well, I mean, they're using FFP as a flag of convenience for the current policy. Um, There's no doubt about that. Um, I don't think they seriously believe it's going to have the levelling effect it's supposed to. Um, But, uh, I mean, what interests me about the whole Ushmanov situation, and I think this is actually in the Black Scarf movement statement, is that the club talk about unity and everyone pulling together in the same direction and yet they are putting obstacles up against uh, Ushbidov, um having any involvement whatsoever so it's a bit hypocritical there I mean surely if we are all going to work together and try and do the best and the sensible thing would be to give him representation and hear his uh, voice so um, I mean it's difficult I mean in a way this idea that FFP is going to be the salvation along with um, obviously the improved commercial detail de- deals when when the current ones expire um it's uh i mean it, it's it's just symbolic of the vacuum of ideas or power because no one really believes it you know it, we we've sort of fallen behind a little bit too far in terms of our status now and you wonder when the deals with Nike and Emirates are either renewed or find new sponsors how much they will be worth because Arsenal may not be in the Champions League they won't be the big name which they were let's say four, five, six years ago um, I just think things, the, 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 the eye has been taken off the ball the manager has not been given any real um, I won't use the word guidance but he hasn't hasn't been monitored closely enough simply because he's always got us into Europe and got that Champions League golden pod of money every season. So that's okay. However, while that has been happening, he has been continually selling our best players and replacing them with players who aren't quite as good for less money. Mm. So what happens is in the last financial year, Arsenal's operating loss was £30 million. However, not a problem because, due to the sales of Fabregas and Nasri, the club were able to post profits. And on that basis, Ivan Gazidis was given a bonus and a huge wage rise. So, you know, the the fact is we are actually spending quite a lot of money, just very badly. (laughs) And uh, we're on a slope. We're not going to get rid of players we're overpaying because no one's going to pay them. They're going to stick around. Schumacher'll see himself out to the end of his deal. Scalacci, I think, is in his last year now. You've got a lot of passengers there claiming a lot of money, who they shouldn't have been given the deals Slug. they have been. is still in the... Sixty thousand a week. I think Sixty thousand. This
1: year and next
0: year. Um, so it's all gone. I've forgotten the, the, who he was. The shape of a pair... Because no-one's actually paid any attention to the detail. They've just looked at the figures. Mm. Because we're selling our best players, we can post profits. We're also gradually slipping out of contention for the trophies. And this is really... I mean, we'll have a discussion later about the the the, the BSM and, and Wenger, but uh, I know I know the BSM don't want to divide the fans by making Wenger the focus of this protest. Mm. But ultimately he is culpable and a big part of what's gone wrong.
1: Kelvin, uh, what do you think uh, a placement on the board uh, for red and white holdings, um, what, what benefit would they have do, just exploring different areas they not doing, um, the potential reintroduction of David Dean, who of course sold them his shares to get, get them going. He could well have something to do and still and, and maybe find a way on, onto the board that way as the representative.
3: Uh, I mean, sorry, I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. Yeah, he, may, he may well get back on the board as Uh, being a representative of Red and White Holdings because I don't believe that Usmanov himself is actually interested Mm. in his being on the board but he wants a representative from from his company on there Um, personally, that's not a BSM stance it's my own stance I don't know whether David Dean is the person for it because as we've already mentioned he introduced us to Stan Kronk but we certainly need a David Dean-like figure there um, because there's nobody at that club apart from Arsene Wenger who knows anything about football
2: <laughs> mm.
3: and that's that's one of the problems that we got mm. you know um, so we need someone to I mean the board is changing you know, you've got Chips Keswick and Lord Harris of Peckham Petul- and have you. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is that they actually do on there apart from you know having a few lunches a couple of times a season <laughs> but we need people on there that's got a bit of drive and a bit of vision mm. you know it's an old board and you know they've served the club well but, you know, the club moved on when we moved to, uh, moved to the Grove. Um, mm. But the board needed to move with it. And they, and they haven't done so at the moment. So hopefully with, you know, with Red and White and, and all the um, contacts that, um, that they have got in the business world, mm. might be able to bring something to the game. I mean, we've got these commercial deals coming up in 2014. Um, they may well be able to use their influence there. Because I don't think our commercial team is up to it. Fair comment, fair comment. Um,
1: moving on to the fourth and final um, area that you, you want the walk to, to heighten, um, with regards to the, the board's uh, awareness and, and fans understanding of that. The fourth one is um, that you want action from the club to stop poor allocation of our money. From wasting money on players we have to write off a year later, to handing out huge contracts to players who we can't then sell them because nobody will match what we pay. Uh, Scalacci or Denilson, Denilson syndrome, if you will. It's mismanagement and it's the fans who get hit in the pocket because the club fails in other revenue-generating areas such as commercial deals. Um, no, we've covered an awful lot of that, but essentially, um, it is a woeful, woeful thing. When you look at Liverpool, who last summer, um, they, they, they were slated by everyone left front and centre because they sold their, their kit deals to Warrior. Um, this US company that no one's ever heard of. But lo and behold, that's making, what, £25 million extra. Which is clear profit, clear advance per season. Um, Manchester United now got, what, seven different type of major sponsors, including DHL just doing their training kit, that kind of thing. Um, mind saying, is it Tom Fox at the moment? Is that right? That, Tom Fox is the Chief Commercial Officer, yes. Okay. Um, well, get Ked. Do you feel that he's obviously having to sort of take over on the club that Keith Eden was running on his own, essentially before he uh, he was asked to leave the club and uh, Gazidis came in? Is, is is Fox doing enough, or is he only you know stepped the fir- sorry put his foot on the first rung of the ladder?
0: Well, um, according to independent analysis, uh, if you completely ignore the historical deals that obviously are handicapping Arsenal that, that were done to build the stadium, um, Arsenal are underperforming in the other areas commercially uh, compared to uh, the other big Premier League teams so partnership deals being an example of that so uh, I'm not an expert but apparently we could be doing a lot better now I mean whether or not uh, the reasons for that are historical and that we just need more time to catch up uh, or We just haven't got enough staff. I mean, United, Manchester United have a staff of about 90 people working on partnership deals and things in an office in London. Um, Arsenal are up to about, I don't know, maybe 18 or 19 members of staff doing that. Um, I mean, in a sense, we are playing catch-up with certainly United, but apparently the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool are doing better in these areas than we are, um, so something's not quite right. We could be making more money. Um, so who knows? But ultimately, my real take on this is: success, winning trophies, enhances your value. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I accept that being in the Champions League and having a profile does help, and I'm sure it's one of the reasons that Arsenal. Are still a name because you know Champions League is still a, a massive window, um, but there is nothing like seeing a team win a big match and parade a trophy after it. And Liverpool have done it in recent years. Chelsea have done it in recent years. Man City, Man United, they've all done it. Arsenal haven't, and that's got to hurt in the long run. So I accept the commercial team can't influence Arsene Wenger. They managed to persuade him to go on pre-season tours and make a bit of money, Um, so financially that's a benefit. What they can't do is change the way he runs the team, the players he picks, how much he decides to pay them, the tactics he uses. Um, So in a sense I suspect if Arsenal were to begin winning trophies again it would solve a lot of commercial problems. (laughs)
1: Um, looking at um, the, the last point um, that the BSM um, want to sort of, well, want to you know really, really press home to, to the rest of us fans is, is the want for the club to deliver initiatives previously put to them which would greatly benefit us match going fans. I mean, I'm looking at a list of them in front of me. Some of them I remember seeing in the past. Some of them would just be very sensible, very, very good things. Um, Kelvin, um,
3: your particular favourites? My particular favourites, um, well, I'd like. As a season ticket holder, mm. okay, um, I would like to have a season ticket light option which excludes cup matches because I'm feeling if the club aren't going to take the cup matches seriously why should I pay up front for it? It mm. would also help um, by you know if we do get to a final again, it would make a cup allocation easier because at the moment we 42,000 season ticket holders, there's mm. going to be 20,000 disappointed fans. Um, uh, the other ones that I like, I'd like the fact of, you know, um, unreserved seating. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just a case of, you know, getting there as, as early as possible. You can sit with like-minded people. And every, if everybody's aware of, you know, it's a case of, look, if you move out your seat, you might end up losing it. Yeah. I think it will encourage people to get in the ground earlier. And with like-minded people, you can have a, you know, a bit of a, a better atmosphere as well. I mean, anybody that's ever been uh, in Europe with the Arsenal would tell you that nobody sits in their right seat. And the atmosphere is always cracking because everybody's just, just up for something like that. Yeah, sure. You know, and you experience it at some of the other way games you go to, but specifically in Europe. we um, we like to see the away fans moved from where they are as well. And now some people have suggested they go upstairs to the more expensive seats mm-hmm. uh, which is fine, but you also think on the other hand, you know, the Arsenal fans that are travelling away, they may also be chucked up in the in the gods and with more expensive seats I know at Newcastle they've always been up in the mm-hmm. gods but Sunderland this year apparently we've been stuck up in the third tier rather than behind the coal. Oh I just don't like the fact that the away fans have got that prime location mm-hmm. where every time the ball is over there all you see is away fans and the way it is at the moment it's he seems to be away fans enjoying themselves you know but where, where would they go? well I'd stick if, if we still had to stick them in the lower tier I'd just stick them in the other corner where, yeah. the, where the cameras are, so you can't see them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, and, you, and you can you can move that that corner there, which is the way fans at the moment. You could move the family enclosure there if you wanted, because all those kids being in there, you know, they're going to start making a bit of noise, jumping up and down on TV. They do have they a camera on the other side as well, though. So. If match of the day or whoever's covering it, they
2: they, they could still show. Well, they, they fans could enjoy do, but it does not You won't see them every time they take the corner. Basically, in the same position, they were winning in the clock end. I this. think what we need to do is get it right on the pitch so that the away fans don't enjoy themselves. Well, yes, that yes, is the, the exactly. right way round. Yeah, yeah. We're putting the cart before yeah. the horse. I don't think it should matter where the away fans go. I think, frankly, we need to sort out what's going on on that football
3: pitch. Yeah, but we're we're just looking for you know for the match day experience for the people that go through the turnstiles, yeah. is to make it so that. How it used to be is a case of the Arsenal's at home, I'm going and that's it. Whereas for a lot of people now, it's like, well, we're at home, but I think I'll watch it in a pub because I can't stand being over the Grove. That's you just know, with expensive. somebody. Well, yeah, the prices are ridiculous. You know, sixty-three pound plus booking fee for the cheapest ticket for this Saturday game. Hmm. You know, same as it was against Chelsea. People who look at that, where's where's the future going to come from? Who's, who can afford for their kids to hmm. go for sixty-three pounds? Well, there's only a limited amount of
2: and people who are going to get behind the team yeah. it's going to be people who sit there rattling their jewellery to put it in John absolutely I team. mean
3: you look at the atmosphere on a, on a League Cup night when you've got you know, the most of Islington youth is mm. there you know, and you can sense it as you're walking down the road there's this buzz just like you used to get you, know? you used to come out of you know, Arsenal Station and just walk up Gillespie Road a bit or up Highbury Hill and you just had that buzz doesn't seem to be a bit of a buzz in I've that same say, way that there is that, for the Cup. The last
2: match. 10 minutes of that of all the, no, before the last 10 minutes, there was that point where we got the third goal. Uh, for the first time in a while, <laughs> I felt that real kind of sense of urgency and everyone like trying to suck the ball into the net. Yeah. And, and uh, it paid off to an extent that we actually did. You know, if we were all going, something happened, please, you know? <laughs> yeah. and it did. And unfortunately, we know what ha- didn't happen. And yeah. The ball didn't go in the back. I think of the
3: passion left. is still there in the in the crowd for, yeah. for for a lot of the games. But you know, as, as Wenger said recently, the players need to give them something to shout about. You know, last year against the AC, uh, against Milan, you know, we we came back three 0 up at half time. The atmosphere then was unbelievable. Mm, yeah. Tottenham two nil down at half time. Great atmosphere. You know these were terrific atmospheres it's mm. there yeah. the fans need to have something to shout about I think that, to get the whole lot going there's always going to be a nucleus that no matter what the score is they're going to try and do something. Well I think at the moment it
2: seems like it's anger is kind of it's, it's fueling the flames because I, mean, I, I mean there were a lot of angry people uh, when, when Arsenal are playing this badly and, and making fundamental schoolboy errors left right and centre you know it drives us mad but it does actually somehow fuel the fire. I noticed there were a lot more different songs being sung the last game than there had been for quite a long time. There was actually a little bit of uh, diversity in the, the repertoire of songs being sung rather than just Arsenal, Arsenal, mm. Arsenal.
3: There were, there were Some of the old ones were could coming it, back. Could it be that because of um, the prices of the tickets nowadays, that some of the spectators or the tourists that we've experienced have started to fade away a bit, and some of the traditional fans have started to come back for the odd game yeah. and are showing that passion yeah. that had been lost since we moved, is a thought?
1: No absolutely, and I'm just looking uh, and a few of these, these other, other things that you're looking to bring forward, uh, such as a short-term stage repayment scheme for season ticket reviews, am I correct in saying we did that for about 20 years? whereby if you buy a season ticket you can pay, pay it off uh, over ten months. It was that thing that also I think the entire Premier League had when it was sponsored by Barclay Card about five years ago. You could take out a Barclay Card credit card and you wouldn't put on any, any interest it by getting your football season ticket. Then they realised, hang we're not making any money out of this. So that's been sort of thrown on the fire.
0: Well, it, I will just interject here. Mm. You're absolutely correct. But the interesting thing is that the, the credit card for those who actually had it continues. And right. I'm still using it every year. Oh, okay. Excuse so it's, it's still there, but you just can't apply for it now. So if, oh, you, okay. if you want to get one, forget it. If you had one and still got it, well done.
1: Oh, I'm ridiculously jealous of you, Kev. <laughs> I genuinely am. Oh, God, man alive. Um, the ability for season ticket holders are grade to downgrade to silver membership I guess at the moment if you know your £1,400 pounds a year is just too much and you say I'd, I'd like to step down to silver membership the club turn around and say no, back of the queue
3: that's, that's the way I understand it Yeah, I, I've had um, several friends who have had like £1,800 pound tickets and wanted a downgrade to when it was about 900 and uh, one of them had a season ticket for 30 years mm. and they just said no you know, you got to join the bottom of the queue. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and so where's the loyalty in, in that? Where's your, where's your loyalty
2: repaid? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I had that actually while we were still at Highbury, and I missed—I went away and I missed a season, and I came back and I wanted to renew, and they just said no, sold off. You know, and I had been a season ticket holder for well, I don't know, fourteen years or something at the time, and it was just—I uh, I was so angry, I just went, you know, f you, and like that. Mm. I, I just sort of thought, well, you know. I actually, you know, my initial reaction was right. Fuck Arsenal! I'm not coming back. Of course, that <laughs> would never lasts long because you know I come back like some, you know, dopey little sheep dog. Kick me <laughs>
3: again, Arsenal! You know what I mean? Well, that's that's the thing. You know, once it's in your blood, it's, it's you can't no. you can't lose it. And no matter how angry you get with them, this is what they always play on. Every football club will. Yeah, they We're play on your loyalty. We're suckers, aren't we? for yeah. abuse. Of course we are. But you know, a lot of people now. You'll see them on match day, they'll still come down because they enjoy the buzz. But they won't go in. <laughs> they'll watch it in the pubs.
0: Certainly true. A lot of season ticket holders now, because you're able to watch every game in the pub, um, save their money and enjoy their match day experience mm. without entering the stadium. Um, and certainly the social aspect of attending football has always been very strong for a lot of supporters, mm. and the guys who have given up their season tickets and watch it in the pub, um, they're enjoying that side of it. They're not enjoying Arsenal losing, obviously, but you know they haven't actually lost that much, really, mm. except mm. gained them some money. Really.
1: Yeah, that, that, one of the uh, the best atmospheres I've had around the football match in the last few years was. Um, when we won on penalties in the FA Cup away at Sheffield United in the 12 pins by Friendsby Park, the entire pub went absolutely crazy and, and they encouraged that. It was great. If you even so much as try and bring beer to your seat at the current stadium, you'll be removed, I would have thought. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, looking at a few of these other suggestions, I do think they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, this one uh, is something that I knew, but um, an awful lot of people listening to this won't realise this. Um, one of your suggestions is to introduce season tickets in the clock end at Emirates to recreate the atmosphere of the old, famous old stand at Highbury um, there are no season tickets available in the clock end that's, that's unbelievable yep. correct.
0: Uh, and the reason, the reason that the club give is because basically sometimes for cup ties they have to um, give uh, those sections to away supporters well the answer to that is very simple and we go back about 15 minutes to the season ticket light Mm. You say to the clock-end people, your season ticket is good for Premier League games, and probably if they wanted to, bolt on Champions League, but domestic cup games, you know, you you would have to become a silver member or something, I don't know, for that game if you want a ticket.
1: Didn't the club always used to do that when we were at Highbury, um, season ticket was in the clock-end if we had a cup game at home, they just got repositioned, weirdly, to a much better seat.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Yeah, Always. Yeah absolutely right so it can be done
1: so um, you know it's different people We're in the club now so just put their fingers in their ears go la 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 and pretend they can't hear it um the I, I do like the idea but um can it really come back in this country which is the introduction of safe standing uh, i mean anyone who goes to see bundesliga football in germany um can see it out there pretty much anywhere um basti's hand goes in the air have, have I, was, you
2: terraced recently? I was in a pub called the duke of hamilton uh, about, uh, it's got to be I don't know, a long time ago and David Dean walked in and uh, I, said, well, I, I said, what are you doing here? <laughs> it was my <laughs> local at the time and he said, oh, I was just meeting someone from the um, comedy club over there but I'll come and talk to you in a minute and I was wearing an Arsenal shirt and we'd just watched I think Tottenham West Ham semi-final or something on TV and he came over and talked to me and I ended up chatting with him quite a, quite a long time and he, he said look, can you tell us how we can improve the atmosphere at Highbury? I ended up writing this seven-page report <laughs> for him, right, and sending it in. One of the suggestions I made was standing seating, which I'd seen at, at Bayern Munich when I went to go see Arsenal Bayern Munich away. And uh, of course, it was like you know, can't do it. You know, post Hillsborough, post uh, you know the, the lack of imagination that this country has for things like that. I saw it recently again when I was at the pre-match, uh, the pre-season game against uh, Cologne. And there, they, they were, they've got a seat, and there's a little, ter- a little terrace around you, in front of you, and everyone's got their own little terrace, and you can stand up, and you can sit down, you can do what you want, there's no chance of surging or anything like that. Ooh. Sorry, I just left the microphone there, because I stood up. There's, <laughs> there's no chance of surging, or people being crushed, or anything like that. For the listeners, is seven foot two. Yes, six foot seven, <laughs> only six foot seven. Anyway, so, the uh, and it just seems to me that in order to get an atmosphere... Any singing teacher will tell you if you if you want to get the most out of your, you. Know, have you ever seen an opera singer sitting down? You know, or maybe <laughs> in a certain scene when he's drinking a pint of ale or something. But generally speaking, if you want to project your voice, you want to stand up. And of course, we generally look when the team are getting when the team are really look, when things are really getting hot in the stadium. Everyone stands up naturally. You know, and that's how you get your your twelfth uh, man on the pitch. That's how you get that extra. Extra bit of um, action going, and, and and you intimidate the other team. You just, you're, you're just more powerful if everyone's standing up. So I, I think it's a brilliant idea, and I think it's a shame that this, uh, throughout this country, people have been shirking that 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 mm-hmm. concept of the standing seat. I think it's a brilliant idea.
1: Um, right. Um Kelvin, we can't thank you enough for being on this. Um, If you haven't created an awful lot of interest by people listening uh, into BSF, then, you know, we're actually, we're we're fucked as supporters. You know, it's it's not worth it. Um, I find this great. Um, Can you tell us a little
3: bit about the march that's taking place? When is it? Where is it? It's on December the 1st before the Swansea game. Uh, We're going to meet up round by the Cannons and the Gunners pub. Um, And then probably about 2 o'clock, I think it is, we'll be... Walking along to um, towards Avonale Road, up past the Marble Halls, down Albear Park, into Drayton Park, and then across the Clock End Bridge, oh, and, then, and then onto the Bear Roundabout. Uh, yes. And then, as we did before, hopefully we'll be picking up support along the way. It's a heartbreaking walk, that, past the old ground, isn't it? It is a heartbreaking walk, especially as it looks nice and clean at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> they,
0: they, they've really kept it up, haven't they, yeah. the power of property over... That yeah. is the, what do you pay your service charges for, I yeah. <laughs>
3: So we didn't, in uh, the last few years at Highbury, we just sort of let it go, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's where it's going from, that's us all the sort of times, and the reasons behind it is the fact that, you know, supporters have been given the opportunity at an AGM to ask questions, the board refused to answer them, and we thought one of the best ways of doing it is getting people out there on the street so that the board can actually see the passion that people have got for the club you know, this isn't an anti-Arsenal mask or anything like that. You know, this is pro-Arsenal. It's so pro-Arsenal, it hurts. You know, I've got, I've, got the, I've got the Arsenal tattooed on my body for the rest of my life. So anything that hurts the Arsenal hurts me. And uh, what I see going on over, the, over there at the moment is, uh, is heartbreaking at times.
2: Yeah. Right, almost time to wrap up. Can I just ask Kev if he's got an Arsenal tattoo on his body?
0: I don't do tattoos. Good answer. <laughs>
2: what about you? Uh, I don't. I've only got one tattoo. And, I and don't do tattoos, but I've got an Arsenal tattoo on my left arm. I just thought I'd let you know that.
1: Dare I ask where on your body... tattoos not an excuse. Dare I ask where on your body your own tattoo is, Kelvin? Top, that, top
2: of both arms. arms. Both arms. Uh, out-ranks seriously. Me. Outranks me. Um,
1: well, OK. Just a quick reminder, the current issue of the Goonet, Issue 229 will be on sale outside the stadium for the home matches against Spurs and Montpellier. It's also available by mail order from the online GUNA website and can be bought as an e edition to boot. Finally, the usual reminder that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, it's goodbye from Kelvin. Goodbye. Kevin. al Civic. And Mr Goldstein. Adios. We'll be back next month with a pre-Christmas edition, possibly featuring the return of Bernard Agelay and Mark Ollington from our start of the season edition that went down particularly well for some unknown reason, but no promises. There'll be more to come with Purely Football Chat, so we'll be speaking to you again shortly. I'm your host, David Udo. Thanks for listening. La-di-da-di-da, la-di-da-di-dee, all good friends and jolly good company. Wahey!